0: hi fm presents south african politics and news with the south african institute of race relations the irr show independent relevant and real is hosted by big daddy liberty and sarah gone every tuesday morning from nine to ten promoting life liberty and property rights
1: good morning everybody and welcome to the windy sunny day in Joburg. um I now have, The wind has proved its point. I now have dust all over my desk uh, and all over my notes. Uh, so if you hear a little bit of coughing, you'll know where it comes from. Well, we have, as usual, an interesting week. Um, we had the State of the Nation Address, which I will discuss with my guest later on, and, and broader issues surrounding where the ANC is at at the, at the moment. Um, but perhaps the most uh, sort of t- 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 tantalizing uh, news at the moment is Zuma versus Zondo and uh, Zuma's decision conveyed to Zondo Commission that he would not attend the Commission of Inquiry this week as he was meant to and so he did not and so the lawyers his lawyers wrote a letter to Zondo saying he wouldn't be coming and that uh, essentially they are arguing it on the basis that because he is appealing against his uh, failed recusal application against Zondo um, justice is not being served and he's being basically stuffed around by the uh, legal system. Um, now it's, it's quite interesting because essentially the, as uh, Zuma is in contempt of court, um, both in terms of the common law, which sort of runs, it's a thread that runs through our law that's developed over time and in terms of legislation. And the legislation is that in terms of the uh, commissions act, um, you can both, you can, or whichever judge makes the decision, uh, can either levy a fine against the person for not attending a commission or can put the person in jail for six months. And generally, most people have uh, sought the, or rather like the idea, of him spending six months in jail. Uh, I think it would just suit our sense of having spent decades under his uh, patronage-inspired thumb, um, but I suspect at the end of the day he will probably get a, a fine. In any event, this is in the purview of the Constitutional Court because it is a Constitutional Court order that he has disobeyed. And you realize how desperate he is because he cannot appeal anything from the Constitutional Court. That is it. That is the where the last stand has to be made. Um, so to to go in contempt of the apex court in the country is really quite a chutzpahdike thing to do. Apparently, they, but they are arguing, or they are submitting that the fact that he's, he's gone on appeal or is going on appeal on the uh, recusal issue, he shouldn't be, uh, he, he, that, for that reason, he's not going to attend. However, he did not argue that in the constitutional court when he was... Um, uh, some when he was ordered to attend the hearing and the Zondo Commission took him to the Constitutional Court to order him to do so. They didn't argue that. So basically they had nothing to argue. So in true Zuma fashion, Zuma is now playing uh, the victim card. I think he said it, he, he sung rather at, at, a, at a gathering the other day that um uh, you know, he's, 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 he's the victim and it's because, and he's being treated badly because he's done nothing wrong, but it's, it is, uh, because he's a black man. Now, I, I don't know, you know, I think at some point we would have been sort of quite taken by what he sang or didn't sing or, but this is just absolutely bizarre. I mean, it takes victimhood to new heights, if, if you can take victimhood to heights. Um, it also obviously gives the, uh, the, uh, uh, ANC a huge, huge headache because he is flouting the law. His supporters are flouting the law, although they are basically a, a band of, of no goodnecks. And he's got the MK vets on his side, although they've all sort of pulled back a little because they don't want to be entirely seen to be rubbishing the legal system. Um, however, they have effectively rubbished the legal system. And if Zuma does not get a, some, for some reason, doesn't get a, 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 a criminal penalty of some kind, then the legal system will be in complete, uh, will be in complete shambles. And so can't afford to do this. There, there are no exclusions for, uh, for heads of state, for previous heads of state. This is an area of equality, at least in that sense, that although he could afford to spend our money going through the courts for the last 20 years and putting things off. It, as far as it comes to the court actually making a decision for or against him, he's in the same position that all of the rest of us are are in. And uh, it's going to be very easy to, very interesting to see the, which way it goes because the constitutional court has not exactly um, been Zuma's friend in the last decade, uh, The incandescent hearings proved that, and uh, this is a this is I would go so far as to say absolutely cut and dried, and there is nothing that he can argue that would just justify being into intent of this of the court. But um, I guess we'll wait and see, and uh, you know tomorrow's nochadach, as 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 they'd say. Um, A little item that just had a sort of. I suppose an element of 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 hubris and and almost humour about it is that the uh, order that Dudu Mijeni be struck off, um, uh, the, the, sorry that Dudu Mijeni be declared has been declared a delinquent director, and she wants she's appealed it, um, and she's appealed the order on an interim basis to, to hold the um to, to hold the uh, um. The, the order back so that she is not actually a delinquent director until she's had her appeal heard, and the court r- struck her application off the roll. So she remains a delinquency, a delinquent director. And as my son said, it's a it's a cool term. There's something about being a delinquent director that really gives you a sense um, of how grabby the whole thing is. And I don't know if you caught a shot of her being in the. Uh, in the court, sitting in the court while, uh, as part, during the course of the, of, of this action, um, she was very, very brightly dressed, but she looked incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable. And, uh, who could deserve, you know, there are not a lot of people who could deserve it more. And finally, just sort of going back to Zuma's old buddies, um, Abangani Bongo, our ex, uh, secrecy minister, intelligence administer, whatever he is, is now in court for having to tried to bribe this, a, a, one of the evidence leaders of the Zondo Commission. And there's something so deliciously, desperately, um, I don't know, sort of pathetic about that. But a little just period in jail, in jail would be very good for him and very good for us. And hopefully we'll just see a, a, a real slide, uh, of anyone who's had any, been in any way tainted. We, we can but hope and wish. Having looked at these, all these dubious characters, I'd like to move us on to our first ad break.
0: Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008.
1: They are, they are there for us in the very worst of times. They step in to assist us when life has stopped. They are the cemetery workers, the men and women of the Hevra Kadesha Jewish Helping Hand and Burial Society. Over the last year, their service was more essential than ever. They are the unsung heroes, and we want to change that. Zion Adar is the day on which the community traditionally acknowledges and appreciates the service of our cemetery workers. This year, you can help honor these heroes by sending them happiness in a box. Shabbat meals and gifts for Shabbat on the 19th of February. The Shabbat of Zion Adar. Honor our heroes by sponsoring a box or part of a box. And for the details, go to our website, at Honour Our Heroes is a Chay FM community initiative. Welcome back, and uh, I'd like to welcome, hopefully he's on the line, my colleague uh, Herman Pretorius. Herman. Hi, Sarah. Can oh, you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, very nice to have you. Uh, just to say that Herman is the head of strategic Initiatives, initiative, Um, and he is an incredibly creative uh, person, but with a view, a a sound view on virtually everything, I did say virtually everything, but Herman and I are going to talk about um, Sona, but very much more specifically, very much centered on Cyril within Sona and, and more broadly. Herman, I'd like to start by blowing my own trumpet in a very negative uh, way with a little uh, little anecdote. I went back into my articles and I saw that in the middle of 2016, I wrote an article saying, do not put your faith in Sura Ramaphosa. So this was a, a, a sort of half a year before uh, the, the, the conference that had him elected. And I've written probably two articles or three articles a year ever since elaborating on that theme. And I basically said he is not a leader. He's not a man. He's not a decision maker. He doesn't respond to crises and he will, he will not lead us out despite having created a sense that he is um, a businessman. Herman was alright.
2: Well, I, I, I see very little reason to think that you were wrong. Um, the, the, one thing that one must, uh, understand about South Africa is that, um, as a country we have a lot of great strengths. I mean, we've got our sense of humor, uh, we've got our, uh, our food is brilliant, our people quite remarkable. Um but then we are good at something almost at an Olympic level and that is self-delusion. When we want someone to be something, we are willing to go to very extreme lengths, to self-delude and uh, reach that point to say that a man who became multi-millionaire billionaire through BEE contracts so favourable um, that it demanded very little merit of him. We um, think that that man must be a business genius. We think that this politician who was outmaneuvered for the presidency of the ANC in the country, despite having the support of the most prominent politician of the second half of the 20th century, Nelson Mandela, he must be a great tactician and a great eight dimensional chess player. We delude ourselves to think that someone who's perhaps His most solid claim to fame is his experience as a union leader during the 80s and 90s, must somehow have the pulse of the people and be able to mobilize. And, Sara, you would know better than most people how inefficient and ineffectual uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, the union leader, actually was. So he's not the great businessman, the great capitalist coming on the shining white investment horse. Um, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't, we, we should uh, say the shining privileged investment horse. Then he's not the great politician because he was outmaneuvered for the presidency by Mbeki, despite Nelson Mandela wanting Ramaphosa to succeed. And he's also not this operator with the pulse of the people, Based on his experience, so self-delusion has gotten a lot of South Africans into hot water. People mm-hmm. I know personally who voted for Cyril Ramaphosa because they believed, despite the evidence, he was something that he clearly is not.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly that's exactly right. And I think one of his big uh, weaknesses, and it, it was apparent to people who negotiated with him during uh, his 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 leadership of the National Union of Mine Workers, that. Cyril, I've I've been told two. I've been essentially told two things about his leadership. One was that he would basically um, ultimately agree to kind of anything that would that would resolve something. Um, But he would, you would negotiate endlessly until consensus was reached. Now, now obviously, when unions negotiate with uh, with management, the idea is ultimately you do reach an agreement on things, and you know both parties have to give and take. But the sense from the people I've spoken to is this: this was extraordinary. It just went on and on, and it's it's shown up in the last three years of his leadership. Is everything has to be reached by consensus? Not only the NEC decision making, which is it's 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 cast in the rules that it shall be consensus, but everything he does is kicked into touch. It's a, there's a commission, there's a committee, there's a range of discussions until you know, ultimately people are either sort of negotiated into submission or they walk away from the table. You can't run a country like this.
2: Yes, and especially not a country in crisis. Um, now, I might sound terribly anti ramaphosa and as a politician, mm. I am. Mm. Of the man himself, I have heard great things. Like, genuinely, mm. I have mm. heard that he is a, a patron of the arts and someone who, who, who studied music, um, I have a great appreciation for people willing um, uh, to, to to take up that mantle of patronage. Mm. Um, he is apparently a decent man, a religious man. I mean, uh, in in the ANC pantheon of leadership, um, currently he seems to be relatively unaffected by scandal. But being a good man by no means you are a good leader. And I think we saw in the last f- few years quite strikingly on the global stage, to, as it were, inverse uh, experiments. We had mm. Donald Trump, who was an absolute, I mean, a vulgarity in in, in in persona. I think that man was utterly, utterly vulgar. I had so little time for him on a personal level mm. that I, 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 I shudder thinking that if I ever had to meet that man. And yet, an effective president. A good president, the jury might be out and people might disagree, but certainly an effective President. Mm. On the other side of the Atlantic, we had Theresa May, again, undoubtedly a good person, someone with mm. integrity, someone with dignity, with work ethics, with commitment to public service, an utter failure as a mm. head of government. And in a time of crisis, I'm afraid you need someone of action. Mm. Um, and President Trump, of course, just isn't that man. And we, we could perhaps take a small historical View here is yes, Mandela was a consensus seeking politician. If you look at the history books, it's quite clear that he was. But what he also was was a man with a very strong idea of where what needs to happen. He understood leadership to be more than just con- coordinating mm. discussion. And if we look, it's exactly as you say. Commission after commission. Even even the one of the pan, you know, the one of the two or three successes that Sir Ramaphosa has had his presidency and that is the appointment of the new SARS Commissioner, Edward Kiesleter, even that that one success I think I can point to in his presidency was arrived at by committee. Now anyone with any leadership, management or executive experience can tell you you cannot bring drastic urgent timely change by leadership, by committee, especially not the ANC. The ANC, if it's going to be governed, if it's going to serve a leader, it needs to have a Mandela, Mbeki, or even a Suma at its head, willing to whip it into shape, um, willing to take fights to it and win. Ramaphosa has not been that. And we see the results. We see a government with no achievements, to its mm. name, really. The only thing, if you are an ANC support the only thing you can point to and say that is something that was cheap is essentially a minimal rate, raise of the minimum wage. For the rest, mm. these three years have meant nothing.
1: Mm. And of course, the problem with the raising the minimum wage, um, like expanding uh, the, the decisions reached the bargaining council for the restaurant industry, is nobody has got the money to pay anything. So it, it, it's it's it's, it's pyrrhic in, in, in essence. Um, but essentially, I mean, what we can take from this is that generally effective leaders are not nice guys. And, uh, if once we understand that, we'll probably <clears throat> do much better. Now, my sense is that this sonar uh, speech, not only was it, Boring, long and, and pretty awful But for the first time you really got a sense across the board That people thought that it was a failure And that he did not acquit himself well There were too many metaphors They went on for too long And you know he's in trouble when he explains too much Before he gets to a point um, This seems to be I mean this is a, a hallmark of his speeches But on this occasion It really seems to have Leveled people's uh, uh, admiration for him completely
2: Yes, I, I, I think if you compare this state of the nation to his first state of the nation, I mean, there was palpable excitement. I myself entertained the possibility that, you know, perhaps I'm wrong about this chap. Um, my, first, my first doubts um, about Silo Romo were sown by the fact that early on, it must have been about 2015, 16, the communist wing of the ANC came out in support of this man. Um, and, and my thinking was, what has McBillionaire done to earn the support of the communists? That was my first kind of warning to myself. But when he stepped into the presidency, um, he he carried with him a level of political capital that I don't think we've seen, uh, um, at least uh, since for the, the, the start of the Mbeki presidency, perhaps with the start of the Zuma presidency. The point is, Ramaphosa came into office with an approval rating in the country mm. much higher, like 30% higher than his approval rating was within his own party. Now, he came into, into office, and the one thing that I remember from that first state of the nation is mm. there was a sense of mission. There was a sense of Tumamina, you know, send me, the, mm-hmm. in, the citizen engagement president. There was, a, there was a call to action. There was a call to arms. There was a, this is what mm-hmm. I see South Africa as, where it is and where it needs to be, at least rhetorically. The opposite was the case in mm-hmm. this most recent state of the nation. No vision. Um, no ambition no unifying rhetoric Um, and in fact what shocked me most is not the vacuity of the speech but the uncomfortability of the man delivering it so he looked pale he stuttered he read badly that that was a man under immense pressure and I suspect it, uh, it, it comes from a place of not knowing what you want to do, mm-hmm. because politicians face challenges. You know, Thatcher, uh, uh, Mandela, uh, Attlee in the U.K., these people face challenges, and they went through hard times, but you never saw them in that deer-in-headlights situation that you mm-hmm. saw, Mr. Porter. because when you believe in a mission, even if the odds are against you, you think the mission has merit, and is a cause worth fighting for. I saw a man tired of fighting because he knows not what he's fighting for.
1: And I think one of the ironies, uh, this is just a, a sort of side comment, one of the ironies is that by very virtue of not having grabbed the ANC by the scruff of its neck and kind of ignored the so-called RET faction and actually grabbed it and led people, he could have he really made a difference. He, he's... Gone on record as saying that, you know, he will save the ANC before he does anything else, including save the country. But ironically, it's this very sort of uh, soft, lax, mushy leadership that may cause the ANC um, to split. But the, just the, 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 the one thing that really upset me about the speech, and it just gave me, I, I, I think he's often just plain dishonest. And here, here it was. He's saying that, with, that the government is going to go ahead with gusto on the implementation of expropriation without compensation. He says they're going to ramp up all the BEE provisions and the implementation thereof. And virtually in the next sentence he says, South Africa is still a very attractive destination for investment. Mm. I mean, that is so painfully false it's embarrassing.
2: Yeah, it, it, it. But this goes back, actually, to 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 the earliest uh, um, appearances of Mr. Ramaphosa in Parliament as President. I remember shortly after joining the Institute um, in 2019, I I wrote um, a, a piece, uh, very much inspired by, I think, one of your pieces, huh, about Ramaphosa being a man of his word, and that word is socialism. Mm. Uh, because in... Um, of course, now I have uh, significant grounds to doubt even that, because apparently he isn't much of anything. It's just socialism is the policy of his party, and he can't lead his party, so his party's policy of socialism becomes mm-hmm. ripped. But the problem is that in, the, in, in, a, in a parliamentary question-and-answer session for the president um, in August, um the president spent the first 10 minutes of his, uh, answering of questions vaunting the necessity of, uh, investment coming into South Africa. Mm. And then in the next 10 minutes, he said expropriation of our compensation is going to go through, uh, the NHI, prescribed assets will be on the table. And in a question to the EFF, um he said, "Yes, he believes like them that the state should be at the heart and at the core of South Africa's economy." Mm. So it it is this double speak that really can only uh, appeal to to someone with a with an, uh, you know a, a radical adolescent mm. understanding of mm. economics. Mm. Economics, at its most basic, at its most best is the ability to exchange things, Mm. to trade and sell. Without that, you don't have anything resembling economics. And the moment you tinker with that, with the ability, uh, oh and what stands behind the ability to own and sell? Well, the the ability to trade and sell. Well, the ability to earn something. If you can't earn something, you can't trade it. You Mm. can't sell it. If you can't earn something, own something. You can't buy Mm. anything. The the heart of economics is this exchange of property rights. Mm. And if you want to... Uh, at the same time a boost investment while destroying property rights. I mean, it, it, it really is uh, is similar to, uh, to fornicate for the preservation of virginity. It, there, there, there's, <laughs> no, there's nothing here that measures up to anything further than an mm. adolescent understanding of dust capital. Even if you're going to be immensely charitable, you must say that this man clearly hasn't looked at a single jot of data. Because yeah. either he's, he is ignorant, which is worrying in a president during a time of crisis, crisis or he's ideologically addicted to this mm-hmm. form of mad socialism and knows he needs to blindside business in South Africa by mm-hmm. this talk of investment, neither of which really bodes well for the wrong cause of presidency.
1: Yeah. Well, you see, that, that, that's exactly what I, I think. It, what's terrifying is it's a, it's a... It's a it's, it's a deliberate, to me, it's a deliberate dishonesty couched in presentation and tone and, um, sort of a, a motherhood and apple pie type quality. And that's, that's what, uh, Silra is relying on. And I think that is really finally, uh, run out. But I think what you're saying is, is beautifully summed up by what I would call a rather desperate tweet that, uh, uh, Finance Minister Tito Mboweni tweeted in, in, in December, and his tweets can be erratic and, and odd, to <laughs> say the least. But this one said, I just cannot explain market, economy, market economics to my colleagues. Um, <clears throat> now, the, the problem with that, of course, is that it, it must be then a very strong socialist ideological bent because market economics, the basics, I mean, on a very, you know, a very basic level, is, is as you've described it, it's, it's, there, there's no... You don't need uh, verbiage, you don't need all that sort of stuff to get across. It it's, can be explained in, in words of one syllable, and mm-hmm. that, that's, 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 that's very worrying. but just to get your little your view on the fact that the great um, hope, the great the, the citadel in the sky, that is Cuba, is even liberalizing. Um,
2: yes, I mean th- that's the thing. Um, <laughs> one way. <laughs> One thing that we we people who believe in free markets must actually make quite clear is we don't believe free markets are virtuous by nature and, you know, maidenly in their virtue Um, and just brilliant the Einstein of economic resource allocation. No, we just believe that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. The core difference between a state-driven economy and a market-based economy is if you are in a state-based economy and your state judges supply and demand incorrectly, you are done for. Because it's Sorry, Herman, it's an, I'm mm.
1: actually going to just stop you there. I know it's a very inconvenient moment and ask you to hang on. We have to go <laughs> to an airbag, and I'd like to just pick up Exactly that point and then and then move from there after the after the ad break.
0: FM one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life.
1: Knowing your COVID status doesn't need to be costly or take forever. At Discom pharmacies you can reduce the cost and anxiety of waiting for results with their rapid COVID tests. Book an antigen test which can determine if a specific virus is present currently. Or an antibody test, which in most cases can determine whether you've had a virus or not in the recent past. Book an appointment at a DISCIM store near you on 861 427 DISCIM, a winning mind in a healthy body. Herman, to pick up, you were saying essentially that in a market economy, if, if you participate and you fail, you fail. I mean, I mean this. <coughs> You failed or succeeded on your own merits.
2: Yes. And and, and I think also um, the, this question of the, the, the consequences of failure is really why I consider myself someone in favor of free markets. Because if you fail, consequences are yours. Um, if you judge supply and demand badly, if you think that you can deliver a service that people want to pay for and it turns out you can't or product, then the consequences belong to you and you learn from your failure. But more broadly, you fail at the expense of your investors. Mm. And now the state fails at the expense of its tax mm. So the failure is really the question. What's its consequences and what's its cost? If you have a state-dominated economy, the failure in terms of consequences, as we've seen in South Africa, is essentially nothing. Mm. No new change, no new product offering, no new service offering. It's just the, the, the consequences is immunized, or, or the, the, the state is immunized against consequences to a certain extent that an individual market entity just isn't. But then, absolutely crucially, in a country where a lot of people are enduring hardships enough, if you have all your eggs in the state basket, and the state makes a bad call. It is all eggs of all taxpayers being Mm. smashed to smoother and I'm against any form of financial centralization. When you get investment advice, why is it always the sound advice to say diversify your portfolio? Mm. And if we apply that, to societal problem solving, to not just depend on the state and to not just fund the state. If we just incorporated a bit of sound common sense investment, Mm -hmm. money managing thinking, Then South Africa would be in a better place. So we're not against a strong state because we don't like the Cubans or we don't like the, you know, the communists. It's just the Venezuelans. It's because the consequences of failure hurt those who can afford it least. And even if the Cubans, like you mentioned before the break, if the Cubans can look at reality and say, you know, how about, how about a bit of free market, if the Chinese could have done that in the 80s and the Indians could have done that in the late 70s early 80s as well I mean it's just you don't have to be dogmatic or ideological to see that the most significant eradication of poverty in the history of man Happened in the late seventies to mid eighties in the two most populous countries in Asia, India and China, mm. liberalised their markets. Mm.
1: I think I think this is the terrifying thing: is that the a dogma which really um, sort of settled in the ANC in the forties, in fifties, and early sixties is being has become. A, Writ, uh, law, law you know it 's a bit of of its own. it has not changed in fifty sixty years. The world has changed around it the The, 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 the big communist states do not exist anymore for all the reasons that, that, that you 've pointed out and this this cleavage to socialism and i 've written about it more than more than once on on cyril 's part suggests that those fundamentals are are not understood and uh, probably a go, good example of of what you 're saying is that if ESCOM goes wrong, we all suffer. If Steinoff goes wrong, a whole lot of generally investors suffer. But the rest of us are not, by and large, affected by it. I mean, obviously, <clears> it does affect a, a broad <clears> number of people, but it doesn't affect an entire nation. And I, I think
2: that's absolutely he, right.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Sorry.
2: Sorry. No, I, I interrupted you. You'd go in
1: ahead. No, no, no. I was really just, uh, really just uh, sort of saying that it, it's, it's that inability to see that. Um, the the consequences of, of who is supporting you uh, makes a mm-hmm. difference as to whether you can keep trying and failing and, and try again and succeeding and learning, or you fail massively once or twice as a as a as a government and you basically just don't get the chance to fail again. Everything mm-hmm. things just crumble. Yeah,
2: and, and the terrifying thing about the government um, versus the private sector, or if, if you take you know the government versus Steinhoff, Steinhoff never had the power to undermine property rights, never had the power to legislate mm. property rights away from other people. So that's another check that falls in favor of the market, is even the worst actor mm. doesn't have state or power, where yeah. if you have an economic system structured around the state, then the state is the biggest economic actor and the, the mm. biggest legal actor that can break the rules of the game to suit its own needs. Now, I have a strong suspicion, I, I have a creeping admiration for a guy called Ludwig Erhard, who was mm-hmm. the Minister for Economics of West Germany just after the Second World War under the chancellorship of Konrad Adenhauer, and um, Erhard also succeeded Adenhauer, but wasn't very successful as chancellor. But Erhard's approach to to economics was not very dogmatic, not very ideological. He saw himself as a pragmatist, as an economist that is guided by what works. And and, and I have a slight irritation in that sort of approach. I think you need some beliefs, some dogmas, some faith, but I'm not wedded to it. Um, so I, in, initially I found Erhard to be slightly irritating with this pragmatic approach. However, if you follow his policy, his career, his writings, you see some sort of ideological persuasion actually emerging and, and what has been known then, then after, after Erhard to become known as ordo-liberalism. Um, and, and I had a, a creeping suspicion that I'm falling in love with order-liberalism. And it's it's something I want to be very careful about. (laughs) Because what Earhart said, essentially, is that the market is the best chance for the consumer to have a fair shot. Mm. And core to this is that where a natural monopoly or a dominant market force emerges, it is the responsibility and the job of the state to force that dominant entity or monopoly to act as if it was in competition with Mm -hmm. other market actors. Now, that's a very intriguing thought, a dangerous thought, because once you start doing that, you kind of start giving the power to the state to to, to intervene economically in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But we look at South Africa and we look at Steinhoff and we look at, uh, discovery and, and these massive corporate entities that, uh, but they might not have blood on their hands, but they surely have dung on their hands. They mm. were involved in state capture. You have KPMG. They were in bed with the Guptas. You have, in South Africa, we don't have a free market economy. We have a mm. socialist government with a crony capitalist corporate sector that mm. centralized power to such a dangerous extent that the South African consumer, the person that needs to make a living, really get short-shifted. And if in a country like Cuba, my goodness, can realize that then. And, and, and we have two northern neighbors that we can aspire to be like. Zimbabwe, what's one? In mm. the one, you have utter state collapse, and utter economic collapse. In the other, you have President Sisi saying, upon taking office, the private sector, the public sector is too large, it is smothering the growth of the private sector I mean those are our two examples of so African think yeah. choices it's, it's either zim or Botswana it's, it's really as simple as
1: that and and um, president Ze Oposa is not going to send us in the right direction by by all accounts Herman we've come to the end of our time thank you very much for for your time and for the range of discussion and uh, we'll speak to you again soon thank you
2: thank you Sarah and I don't think Opposa is going to take us anywhere <laughs>
1: Right, we're stuck and on to our final ad break.
0: Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: Welcome back and just to the final few minutes to say that I think what we're going to look at most, in most depth is going to be, is the focus is actually going to be on the ANC and Jacob Zuma and Ace Maker are just going to be the subject matter of what causes the ANC to be really considered really hard and put under pressure. Because if they do anything to protect either men against the dictates of the uh, of the legal system, this country will be in real crisis. And uh, like most crises, it may be an opportunity for another party to uh, to come to the fore. But they are under more pressure than anybody else at the moment. So we watch with bated breath on and on as we go and thank you very much for joining me and i will see you next tuesday
0: hi fm your station of choice since 2008